What up, world? It's your boy, the Puerto Rican Powerhouse, the Puerto Rican Kaiju, the podcast version himself. Christian Joe Ramos back in again with a brand new review. And today we're going to review the new Paramount Pictures film, Transformers Rise of the Beasts, directed by Steve Cappell Jr., screenplay by Joe B. Harold, Darnell uh, Metayer, Josh Peters, Eric Hober, John Hober, story by Joe B. Harold as well, based on the Transformers franchise by Hasbro. Produced by, my God, a lot of the same people, so I may repeat it. Uh, starring Anthony Ramos and Dominique Fishback. Uh, just to clarify, Anthony Ramos is not my cousin, <laughs> uh, but he is Puerto Rican, so it's great to see more Puerto Rican superheroes in films. I swear to God, this year has been nothing but Puerto Rican superheroes. I'm like, what is going on? I'm not hating it. It's just mad, like, random. Like, okay, we're, we are popping out here. So uh, here's the, pl- the, the, the gist of it. The Bumblebee film from 2018, I believe, uh, was based on the Transformers franchise that took place in the 1980s with, I believe, uh, Hayes Steinfeld, the famously known actor now who plays, obviously, Spider-Woman in the Miles Morales Spider-Man franchise of Into the Spider-Verse. She's also a live action actress, of course, and she's very stunning. She's actually one of my favorite actresses of the generation. Um, uh, let's see here. So Transformers takes place, this film, in the early 90s. The director, Stephen Cappell Jr., is the African-American black director who's actually the first black director to direct the Transformers film, so I thought it was pretty dope. And the film is very 90s hip-hop, like early 90s hip-hop uh, influence. So from the trailer, you kind of got a hit. Uh, you kind of got a... A, a bit of that, but also the trailer had a song by DMX, which obviously was like late 90s, early 2000s, but I let that slide for the trailer. In the film, it was strictly 90s hip-hop music, but the film starts uh, in the homeworld of Maximals. Maximals, if you ever watch Beast Wars in your life as the 90s kid, that was your, probably your first introduction to Transformers, unless you had an older sibling that showed you the OG Transformers cartoon of the 80s, but in the 90s, we had like a CGI cartoon, a CGI animated cartoon called Beast Wars. And there were Maximals and Predacons. But here they kind of took the Beast Wars thing kind of loosely based off of it without actually being a direct copy of Beast Wars. Because Beast Wars took place in like Prehistoric era where cavemen existed. And this is a modern world where people are more civilized. So it's a whole different structure. But they kept some of the pivotal characters. So the Maximals are an advanced race of Cybertronians with Beast Modes. Uh, comes under attack from a planet-eating dark god known as Unicron. Let's fucking go. Unicron, we all know what Unicron is. The ultimate bad guy in the Transformers world. His heralds, heralds the Terracons, an army of Predacons and Scorpions led by Scourge, seek to obtain for their masters the Maximus' greatest piece of technology, the Transwarp Key, which can open portals through time and space, meaning that Unicron can eat all the damn planets he wants if he has his key by just warping to them instead of actually orbiting towards it. Um, very dangerous when you're like a living black hole, right? So <laughs> in 1994 in Brooklyn, an ex-military electronics expert, Noah Diaz, struggles to find a job to support his family and is convinced by his friend Reek to steal a Porsche 911 to sell. Only to discover the car is actually an Autobot named Mirage in disguise. Now, I'm not going to front. I thought Mirage was secretly jazz. I'm like, okay, cool. The Bumblebee movie, and it's going to the jazz movie. Now, nah, they just based it off of Mirage, who's just like played by Pete Davidson. Mind you, <clears throat> I have given Pete Davidson a lot of shit in the past few years, not just for his dating life or like his comedy, but in this film, he plays well to children's comedy. 
Like, he's not corny enough to the jokes don't land. He's he actually has that right amount of like what do I call it? Charisma? Like I haven't seen Bubkis yet on Peacock. That's his show. Um, but I feel like this Pete Davidson's kind of like grown a bit. I'm loving where it's coming from, where he like brings life to these robots, right? Like he makes it feel like human. So the movie takes place in a museum. Uh, an intern named Elena Wallace studies an ancient statue of a falcon bearing the maximal symbol, accidentally breaks it, opens up to reveal the half of the transwarp keys is hidden inside. So this is where the Terracons attack the museum. And um, of course she's played by the lead actress, uh, hold up a second, I forgot her name real quick, let me just look it up here, Dominique Fishback, who, 32 years old, though she's not that much uh, younger than I am, so she is, she's a lovely actress, she's, let's see, where it films, she's been in The Night Comes, The Hate You Give, Project Power, she was in The Black Messiah, alright, so she's been in a few movies here and there, on uh, television, she's been in Swarm, oh, she's on Swarm, see, I haven't seen Swarm, but everyone keeps talking about it, uh, she's also been The Last Days of Platinum Gray, Modern Love, Random Acts of Flyness, The Deuce, Show Me Hero, Royal Pains, Blue Bloods. All right, so she's been in shows here and there, movies. So this probably is her first breakout big film, like lead role, co-lead role, role where she plays this intern that's trying to become a full-on paleontologist. But the paleontologist or the lead museum creator that she's interning is a cloud-chasing fake fugazi. She just doesn't have it. She doesn't know as much. She's just plays it up to people to because that's, that's that's how she got famous so just taking her ideas off her interns i'm assuming that's where she gets all her ideas from because she does not carry herself like she knows a lot about this stuff so whereas the poor lead character here uh elena <laughs> man she gets treated like shit but she's there stays after hours and takes the closer look at the falcon statue with because her uh, boss left her her laundry to do and had her id badge big mistake so she went in and, and like turned on the machines and she thought she broke it but really it was a, getting activated and the signal was sent out to all the autobots and and predacons and i guess what else is there to go with this i mean do we know how these transformers movies are so like what did i enjoy about this movie um callbacks to beast War characters i mean let's see we got anthony ramos playing the lead guy we got dominic fishback playing the lead girl luna lauren velez as brianna diaz nose bomb Mind you, this is the same actress who plays Miles Morales' mother. This is where things are just literally, like, it's funny how things are, <laughs> are small world, right? So she plays a mom of another Puerto Rican uh, protagonist in a different film. In the same month, the movies come out back to back. So I think that's just, like, she's getting her bread. Like, go do you. So this is... <laughs> This is awesome. She's like, because now you can put a face to Rio from, from uh, if you haven't seen her, she's also in a bunch of other shows. Uh, check everyone's workout. Everyone here comes from more of the, what I would call independent film, which I love that, that everyone here is getting their first taste of blockbuster films as far as a live action aspect. So it's great to see these characters kind of like get some fame because I hope this will be successful because out of all the Transformers movies, Bumblebee was my favorite one outside, aside from the first two. Because by part three, they kind of went crazy. And it just became like, all right, sequelitis. Like, we need to release one every so often just because. And, like, it became like the Fast and Furious movies. It just became, like, really, like, high-grade B-movies. So, again, uh, not much to say here. Let's see here. Dean Scott Vasquez is Chris Diaz. Younger brother knows younger brother who suffers from sickle cell anemia. Cute kid. 
He definitely uh, brought a lot of character for like a eight or ten or twelve year old. Well, I cannot gauge his kid's age; he's so tiny. He plays a sympathetic character, but he's also very strong for a little kid. Like he had, calls his brother Sonic, and he goes by Tails. And he the reason why is because they got Sega Genesis, and they've been he's been trying to beat Sonic the Hedgehog, and kind of like the whole thing where he's trying to fight Sickle Cell, but also trying to beat this game because he won't let nothing stop him from beating this game. And his brother knows how determined he is. That's why he's determined to find a job to help us support his family because they're all suffering financially. So, you know, we've all been there at one point. Or not all of us, but I know I've been there at one point. Uh, so Toby, Min I cannot pronounce the man's name. Toby Nigui, Nigui, and Wigui, there we go. Uh, his reek, Noah's friend, who talks him into uh, Grand Devado. The character is based off a mutual best friend of Capel's who died in a prior to filming in 2021. So it's like literally based off his best friend from back in the days. Uh, Michael Kelly is Agent Burke, an undercover recruiter for the G.I. Joes. Yes, that happens. This, I mean, I knew it was going to happen because they mentioned this like years ago, how they wanted to do a crossover between Transformers and G.I. Joe and they want to make it a thing. And I'm like, it's going to happen because you got to refresh both franchises. Let's be honest. G.I. Joe has not been really kicking it after like the Storm Shadow of uh, St. Guy's movie, I think. It, it kind of felt like they went nowhere with it. But like, it's good that they're kind of like, you know what? Let's just merge franchises. Hasbro, let's make an interconnected Hasbro universe. Why not? As long as it makes sense. <laughs> so the humans and the Autobots work together to fight off evil and crime. Yeah, it's a superhero movie. This is very much blockbuster stuff. I'm not digging too deep into it. Uh, Cyrus Styles is Jillian, Elena's boss in the museum who keeps taking credit for her work. Mm -hmm. Aiden Devine is Bishop, a security guard, and Lenny Parker is Ms. Green, the hospital administrator. Uh, as far as Transformers, we got Peter Cullen reprising the role of Osmond's Prime, who's obviously the leader of the Autobots. Resistance transforms into the red 1987 Frightliner FLA semi-truck. So he literally transforms with a throwback uh, of fire trucks at the time. Um, Capel revealed on the Instagram that Optimus Prime's unmasked face in the film was a sign of their color himself. That's actually pretty dope. Uh, Ron Perlman is Optimus Primal. I knew I recognized Primal's voice. Ron Perlman, uh, uh, formerly of Hellboy franchise and many other films. Um, he's the leader of the Maximals who transforms into the Western Lowland Gorilla because Beast. And the character's beast mode in the film was based on an unused concept art that was illustrated by the inclusion of the 27 film Transformers The Last Night. So they were even thinking about the beast machines being in the franchise back then. Okay, so Peter Dinklage is Scourge, the leader of the Terracons. Great pick. I mean, you know, Tyrion Lannister, right? And so he's the trophy hunter, transforms into a black Peterbilt 359 logging semi-truck. Like those throwback semi-trucks that like you would see in Mad Max and other films like that. Uh, Pete Davidson's Mirage, an Autobot spy who can project holograms, a.k.a. why he's called Mirage into a silver blue Porsche 964 Carrera RS 3.8. Yes, I'm reading this on the damn Wikipedia because I'm not going to remember those details, but that car was fire. Um, he's described voice in Mirage as Jim Carrey's The Mask meets Bugs Bunny. Yep, that that's perfectly described. Beat Davidson, you did a, that was perfect. Uh, Michelle Yeoh's Air Razor, a Maximal Warrior, transforms into a Peregrine Falcon. Man, we never got to see a robot form in this film, but probably the action figures will see it because obviously these movies aren't for selling toys. So, you know, if you're, especially the, I know grown adults, Gen Xers, who are big Transformers, Beast Wars fans. So, 
most of those toys being sold at Target and Walmart and Toys R Us, let's keep it 1,000, it's going to be adults buying them, not the kids. I'm, I mean, some of the kids are going to buy the smaller ones, of course, but you know the dads are, are going to be the ones out there buying the damn, you know, Optimus Primal figure. Like, even the classic Beast Wars figures, they re-released them a few years ago and to a very big price point, but like spot on from like the 90s. Like, if you, did, if you had those side-by-side, -side, identical, like, card, uh, cardboard and fucking, oh my God. So... They're really capitalizing on us millennials. Uh, now that we got the brand <laughs> and artist nostalgia, because we're gonna spend money on that stuff. Um, let's see. So, Liza Koshi is RC. I love RC. Uh, the motorcycle uh, Autobot. John DiMaggio plays Stratosphere Autobot Air Soldier transformed into a Fairchild C one nineteen flying boxcar cargo plane. He's like a old like old elder statesman Autobot. But he's a cargo plane, so he fits all the Autobots in there. But he's just like busted and rusted. He just—he's a comedic character, but he doesn't—he doesn't last long. Where he seems like a parody. He actually kind of just seems like, oh, this is the boomer of the team. David Sabalov is Rhinox, Maximal Commando, transforms into a damn white rhinoceros. I'm not gonna lie, Rhinox was a callback. Uh, Battle Trap, a Terracon Enforcer, transformed into an orange 1980s GMC Top Kick C700 tow truck. Uh, according to Sabalov, he considered voicing him the most ruthless character he's ever done. Cool. I mean, I'm glad they're adding, again, charisma and character traits to the robots. Kind of like the cartoons, every robot seemed very different depending on what vehicle they were and who voiced them. All right, so Michela Jai Rodriguez was Nightbird, a Terracon ninja who transformed into a Nissan Skyline. Ooh, GTR R33. That I know from Fast and Furious. Uh, and, of course, Tokyo, not Tokyo Drift, was a game called Tokyo Midnight, Midnight Japan. So there was a Tokyo Street Racing, this old uh, Dreamcast, I believe Dreamcast game, that was about, like, Japanese race cars, and it was a dope-ass. That car was definitely in there. Um, Rodriguez is the first transgender actor to voice and act in the franchise's history. I had no clue that Michelle Jai Rodriguez was uh, transgender. Oh, yeah. I remember. Oh, yeah. now that I put her face, the, yeah, I remember this person, yes. So, yeah, again, cool. Like, you're, we're breaking barriers here. Cristo Fernandez as Wheeljack, an Autobot scientist and mechanic who transforms into a brown and white 1970s Volkswagen Type 2 panel bus. You know, those old hippie buses in California, in SoCal, where they used to go surfing, speaking with a Mexican accent. And mind you, Anthony Rodriguez asked him if he was <laughs> Hispanic. He's like, I'm not Hispanic, I'm from uh, Cybertron. Why are you being racist? I'm like, dude, I'm not being racist. <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, so Tongaji Chirisa as Cheetor is a maximal scout and thrown to the cheetah. Cheetor was my favorite from the Beast Wars cartoon. Definitely the one I was, you know, looking at. Then Coleman Domingo as Unicron, a world-devouring planet-sized transformer who serves as Heracon's master. He works the character's first proper live-action depiction after he previously being teased in The Last Night. Coleman Domingo, this man is very much... Uh, uh, course he's from belize in guatemala so again a lot of spanish you got puerto ricans mexicans you got everyone from everywhere in this film i love the representation here all the again you're adding more diversity to roles and it fits it fits the the, the world we're living we're talking about new york in the 90s it makes perfect sense we're talking about the brooklyn brooklyn's a big character it's not just where the characters are from it's literally how they grew up in the hood in brooklyn like this is how we like the main character like very much like when you grew up in the 90s new york 
you have the sense of living in trauma experience of like nothing really shocks you because New York back then was wild. Not like 70s New York, but it was still like, hey, you know what it is? And the fact that the Autobots weren't surprised that humans are not freaked out by them. They're like, listen, they've seen a lot of crazy shit in their life already as it is. <laughs> and I love that. Uh, so the non-speaking character, Bumblebee, of course, was played by a damn radio, constantly switching uh, stations to make sentences. Uh, Freezer, an army of insectoids, terracons, and Scorponok, an army of Predacon drones. So Scorponok, I remember from the cartoons, was literally a Transformer. Then he was in Beast Force as a as a uh, Predacon, and now he's here, just an army of them. So I get it. Like he's just a scorpion that's trying to make. So, you know, there were some missing Beast Wars characters, but it's fine. This is not a Beast Wars movie. It's just Transformers movies with Maximals. So, in casting Anthony Ramos uh, for the lead film, and later Dominic Fishback uh, as the opposite, it was revealed that Darnell Medellier and Josh Peters had been hired to rewrite Harold's screenplay. Ultimately, Harold Medellier and Peters, along with Eric and John Hoover, received screenplay credits, with Harold solely receiving story credit, while Ken Nolan... Tony Rettenmayer and Joel Taylor and Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt received additional literary material credit off screen, meaning that there was a lot of rewriting of the script because we're writing for, let's just say, we're writing for an urban audience, black and brown folks, the way we talk, the way we interact. The original, like you got the initial story, but then you kind of put our words into context and everything. And especially being on the East Coast, there's like a certain twang you can want to call it slang just way that verbiage like it just felt authentically very 90s east coast new york it makes perfect sense and it wasn't too much of a parody of itself it just played it enough where all the characters like were yeah like the way everyone reacted did not surprise me but that's because i'm from i'm from massachusetts i'm not you know new york is like a hop skip and a, and a jump but like right a, a few hours out west right so like i've seen how we I know I'm self-aware how we appear to the rest of the country. So everyone around us thinks East Coasters are like almost like <laughs> oblivious to everything. It's not that we're oblivious. We just know how to mind our business. So they keep our own mental health in peace. That's what it is. <laughs> so the movie was fun. I mean, I've, I've read the cast, the box office here. Let's read it. Um, as of June 25th, 2023, Transformers Rise of the Beast has grossed. 122.9 million in the United States and Canada, 218.3 million in other territories worldwide, grossing a total of $341.2 million globally. Granted, this is between releases of The Flash, Spider-Man, Little Mermaid. I mean, it's been back-to-back, back-to-back, back-to-back releases of films this entire summer. Like, it's literally been... Outside for the weather, the weather's been whack. I'm going to be honest. The East Coast has not seen any heat waves like that. If we have, it's like only because it's been storming, so you get that humidity. But, like, we haven't seen sun or beach weather more than two, three days in the entire summer. It's pretty whack so far. Like, I'm trying to get I'm trying to get a tan here. I'm trying to go out there and get some melons this, this year. But, no, it ain't happening because, I don't know, it just ain't happening. So, the movie is a success. Of course, it's not a billion, like, the you know, it's not hitting the billion mark yet, but it's only been out less than a couple weeks. I, mean, I would say three weeks total, maybe two. I can't keep track anymore, to be honest. But still, like, this movie was positively received, and I would say, as far as the fun factor, it was five stars, right? Like, it was an entertaining film. The whole story of them going globally to find these key passes, they, they took this from New York to Peru. And they stayed in Peru. It was like they were globetrotting everywhere. They kind of were like, we have Destination A and Destination B. And a big part was like, 
the whole aspect of the Autobots trusting humans and the humans uh, trusting these space aliens who are trying to defend the world and save their world, but also they are trying to just survive their own worlds and grow in their own fields. And of course, there's a lot that goes on with the film. I'm not getting into the action. It's just amazing fight sequences, especially the final climax of the movie. Bumblebee steals the show for a minute where you assume he died and uh, he comes back to life because I knew he didn't die. Because if this film is set in the 90s, guess what? Bumblebee was alive in 2000, 2007, so he can't be dead if he's supposed to be Shia LaBeouf's car in the next in the next decade, right? So, because after the 90s, it's 2000. So I'm assuming, do we go back to the what, Samuel Wiki or like do we kind of just forget all that and kind of jump to the 2010s? Like, I'm serious. Like, if we're just going further into the decade i'm assuming the 2000s is next which is right up the alley of the original transformers movie and i think that's where we're heading into maybe maybe the last next one is the last one and it kind of leads into the whole how everyone ended up where they ended up right before they met sam wiki and again Shia buff is an older man he's near 40 he's no longer a teenager no longer younger young adult bet he hasn't really physically looked at much different it wouldn't be absurd to say he making he can make a quick cameo shave his beard off and like just kind of like Vin Diesel popped into a drift in the end just for a quick scene and it ties the entire franchise around that you stop making more of these damn Transformers movies because it's literally been over a decade and I don't see a need for it except for like Paramount needing more franchises again they could have made a B-Source movie straight up and I would have loved it but then I understand why they didn't there weren't humans in Beast Wars. It was basically dinosaurs and robots and just too simple of a plot. This was a pretty great plot. The characters, everybody played their part. Everybody did well in this film. And, of course, it was entertaining, action-packed. The story was not convoluted. You understood the stakes were high, world-ending, literal, transforming black hole, right? You understand where we're going with this and where it leads to and. It's your typical Transformers movie. The big bad guy has to be taken down, and it takes both the robots and humans working together as a unit coexisting to bring the forces down because you need the humans to get through small cracks in places, but also their their knowledge of their own world and how to get through things. But also you need the power and strength of the Autobots to fight off the pending Terracon army and Decepticons. Actually, were there Decepticons? I guess there were a couple of Decepticons. It had to be, but they weren't called that. They're all called Terracons. Again, no Predacons, so it's like, again, there is some aspect of Beast Wars, but it's not entirely about Beast Wars. So the Terracons kind of, like, covers the basis of these guys are Predacons and the Decepticons, so you don't have to worry about, like, having too many people on the field. Like, you've had enough characters on both sides that you can follow the story. The sequence, of course, they slow down the fighting so you can see which robot's fighting which. It's... In the first couple of films, it was a bit of a, bit of a mess, I will say, but they kind of fixed that issue by, like, I don't know, maybe zooming out more so you can see the characters in action and of course the movie cgi was great budget which is funny enough to say because lately cgi budgets in studios have been really shitty i'm gonna be honest the flash had one of the worst cgi budgets i've seen like i feel like they rushed the hell out of that film like the damn cw flash had way better i know i should have that movie a lot in my review and i i don't take it back it really was a trash ass movie that didn't it felt like you put no effort into this one though this one was redeeming this one was fun I quite enjoyed it. 
I was not bored the entire time. I, it didn't stall. It was a long film, yes, but it didn't feel long. It felt entertaining and fun. it felt like a popcorn film. You just sat there, ate your popcorn, had your drink, whatever, and it went back quickly. And it was fun for the entire family. I hear kids, teenagers, college kids, adults, young adults, whatever. Everybody was enjoying the films, and that's how you know you made a successful franchise when everyone can enjoy it. So does it have rewatchability? Yeah, of course. Because it goes through like a breeze. And I love that they really took some, not, not liberties, because I'm looking for chances with the incorporation of the end of adding the G.I. Joe into the universe, right? So, like, now you know the next movie could be a team up with the Joes and the Transformers uh, fighting off foes. And who knows, maybe Cobra Commander and Decepticons are on the next bad guys. You're opening up. Again, more doors for more options here. So I'm loving where the it can lead in the next film. So that being said, I give this film a three and a half out of five stars as far as quality goes. It is a good movie, but it's not an amazing film. It's five stars in action. Story was a three and a half because it was pretty standard and basic. And uh, of course, CGI and visuals were a five. So if we're being fair in ratios, it would be a four to five, huh? Yeah, I had fun with it, and I don't. I don't care if people are having Transformers fatigue. Some people are having superhero fatigue. Some are saying they're having Fast and Furious fatigue. Don't watch the movies you don't want to watch. I just tell people that this I wanted to see. I wanted it to go to theaters, and I had fun with it. Did I regret it? No, I had fun. So the movie was a success in my eyes, and that's how I based Blockbuster specifically. Did you leave there wanting more, and can you go see it again? That's when you know you made a good Blockbuster film at Paramount hit a home run with the Transformers movie because they knew what they're selling. They had a little bit of, you know, the ad is an extra spice, but they kept their core recipe intact. So that being said, this movie was good. It was not great, but it was good. So that being said, thank you all for tuning in. This has been another podcast mercenary review. I'm the podcast mercenary once again, Christian George Ramos, signing off till next time. Thank you all for tuning in as always. Enjoy the blockbuster season. And we'll see you the next time. All right, I'm out.